Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to every single one of you. How are you today? I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and uh, that uh, God just blessed you beyond your wildest and wildest dreams and that he will continue to bless you this coming year. It, um, it is such an honor to be with you. I, I got a chance to go away for a couple of days and I just realized one thing again, that how much I love this place and, uh, and miss it when I'm not here. I love being with you so much. We, we, kind, of, uh, we kind of went fairly quickly through um, this particular place in Scripture only because what we wanted to present last week being just before Christmas, Christmas Eve day. We wanted to present the very essence of this baby that was born in the manger. And so I took advantage of, of where we were in Scripture and, and talked about the name of Jesus Christ, if you recall. In fact, Peter, when he gives this message to Cornelius, let's, let's backtrack, just, to, just for my good, not for maybe for yours, just for my benefit, Peter is in, is in Joppa with his friend Simon the Tanner. As he was about to eat, he went up to the roof to pray, and he was hungry. And while he was there praying, he fell into a trance, the Bible says. Do you remember? And, and when he did, there was an object like a sheet that, was, that, that came down from heaven itself. And he looked, and he observed on the sheet were all kinds of animals and crawling creatures and birds. And, and there was a voice that said to him in that process, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. And the voice says to him, what I have cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Well, that Peter put in his mind. And then during that time, there was a man, uh, an officer uh, of the army in, in Caesarea by the name of Cornelius. And he was a righteous man praying to God, but he just had not made a relationship with the Lord as yet. Because, as we're going to learn, it all must come through Jesus Christ. Everything must come through our Lord. And so, an angel of the Lord gives him, in a vision, the opportunity to go to, uh, to Joppa and into the house of a tanner by the name of Simon and, and, and ask for Peter, and ask Peter to come and he'll talk to, to you. And so that's kind of where we left it off. In the message that Peter gives to Cornelius, we brushed over it. Because, as I said to you, we wanted to see, for the people that come to church, maybe only on, on a Christmas time or Easter time, wanted them to see the overwhelming importance of the baby that was born in the manger. Because of, primarily... His name. We turn back and we looked at Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 and 23, and we saw that the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, the, 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 the husband of Mary who was going to have Jesus, he said, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates to mean God is with you. He goes on to say in the 23rd verse, you shall, oh no, 21st verse, you shall call his name Jesus, because it is he who will save his people from their sin. 
Well, that now brings us to Caesarea. That brings us to where Peter is now addressing the people in Cornelius' home. And in Acts chapter 10, as we said last week, look at verse 43 and then we'll read it all again in a moment. Peter says, of him, speaking of Jesus Christ, speaking of that baby that was born in the manger, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Let's read again what Peter said to Cornelius and his household, starting with verse 34, and let's read to the end of this chapter. We'll be able to cover it all this morning. Opening his mouth, it says in verse 34, very important, opening his mouth, is a colloquialism. It means what I am about to say is extremely important. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears or the person who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. And he says in verse 39, We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Verse 40 tells us, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Verse 42 tells us, He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he then, verse 48, ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. That's just kind of a throw-in because we don't know much about that, but it seems the purity of fellowship... Um, I don't know if you remember the person that led you to Christ, if in fact there is a singular person or if there just was a time or if you can't really pinpoint a time of, of when you came to Christ but you know He is your Lord and Savior. But for those of us, myself in particular, who, who remembers the person who took the time to share Christ with you, it's kind of an important person. You want them to hang around. 
I remember when, when uh, I was a brand new believer and my wife and I were, were, uh, were newly married and we were in, living in Eugene, Oregon. There was an associate pastor of the church, Dr. Jack MacArthur's church in Eugene, Oregon. And I, I realized I couldn't get to spend a lot of time with Dr. MacArthur, although I, I would have loved that. But one of his associate pastors became friends with me, and I, I just couldn't get enough of this guy. I wore him out. I mean, as I look back on it now, I think, did I think I was the only one in that church? I mean, I wanted him around all the time to answer all the questions that I had. And when the church opened its doors, I was there. I wanted to learn as much about the Lord as I could. So it doesn't surprise me that once Peter leads uh, Cornelius and his household to the Lord, that they ask him, stay with us a few more days. Let's have some pure and rich fellowship. Teach us about the things that you know. And so that's what the beauty of once you come to Christ, it kind of changes your whole perspective of things. At least it ought to, and I pray it does in your heart and in your life. Let's ask the Lord to bless this time. I, uh, I want you to know that there are some key things that are said here that are so important for us today. It was important, of course, for them then. But it means a lot for you and me to understand what Peter was saying because this is the pure gospel he gave to, uh, to Cornelius and his, and his household. Pure gospel. He gave it to him as straight as he could. You know Peter. We know Peter. He did not mince words. He tells them to repent. But here he was speaking to people who were devotely uh, just loving the Lord. And you'll note, he gave them the pure gospel. And maybe we get to hear that today. Let's, let's pray. Father, please, would you open our eyes and our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, this, uh, this wonderful time of the year, as we're going into a brand new year, year 2007. May you bless it, Father, for everyone here and all that perhaps couldn't come for whatever reason. Bless them, their families. Uh, and Father, bless your word that we have just read. Thank you that uh, we can kind of sit back and, and listen and, and see how Peter handled this situation. And it's, it's the next best thing to being there. I wish I could. I wish each of us could have been there just to watch and see the excitement in Peter's eyes and the eyes of Cornelius and his household as he, they heard these wonderful words of salvation, of eternal life. And Father, may it, um, may it resonate in our souls as well today. May we sense, Father, your presence. I ask that you would hide the one that gives the message behind the wonders of the words that we have just read. Move within our hearts, Father, each of us, that we might see and hear from your heart to our heart. Bless this time, I pray, Father, in Jesus' most precious, precious name. Amen. The phrase, opening his mouth, is, as I said just a little while ago, was a colloquial statement in the Greek. It, 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 it is saying, basically, what Peter is about to say is extremely important. Now, You've got to sense the scene. I don't know if you do this. I tell you often that I do. I kind of picture myself in these sections of Scripture that I read. And I would have loved to have been there to watch Peter. The history of it all. Peter had never, ever stepped foot into a Gentile's home. It would have been the last 
thing he would have ever done. It would have been like he would eat something unholy. Couldn't do it. But all of a sudden, here he is in this Roman town by this Greek soldier stepping his foot in his home and realizing that the audience that he is speaking to are Gentiles. Just didn't go well. This was a a new experience for Peter and for those that went along with Peter. It said there were some, if you'll note, look again on, uh, on verse 45. It says all the circumcised, circumcised means the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, they were amazed. It was, it was an astonishing moment in their lives for them to come into this home of this Gentile by the name of Cornelius. And so, standing there before these, what used to be just like uh, considered dogs, they were not considered even people to the Jews. Peter broke, no, he shattered the barrier separating the two groups by saying, now I see it. That's basically what he's doing. He's almost standing there before them going, Oh my God, I understand. Look what he says in verses 34 and 35. He says, I most certainly understand now that God's not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the person who fears God, the person who does what is right, that person is welcome to God. And Peter all of a sudden sees that He is not any more special than anyone else on the face of this earth, especially he's not more special than any Gentile who who has a love for God. And with one brilliant statement of verses 34 and 35, forgive me, I I go off on this, Peter cuts through the very heart of the issue, saying, now I get it. I, I now certainly understand the church that, that God is starting to form. Our new faith in the Messiah that has just come to us is to include everybody. Everyone from every nation is acceptable to God. And so the words that I'm sure that Jesus said over and over again to the disciples when He was walking the earth with them before He went away must have come back to Peter's mind when Jesus would say, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, all of a sudden to Peter became a reality. The other sheep, not of this fold, is not of the Jewish people, but of the Gentile world. Let me say something, though. I think there's a problem with all of us. You see, that was not anything really new. In fact, it's as old as it can get. Look with me. Hold your place here. Look with me at Genesis chapter 12. You see, God had originally commanded Abram, before he changed his name to Abraham, to be a blessing to all the people of the earth. In other words, it wasn't supposed to be just for Abraham and those that went with him into this new land. It was supposed to be a blessing that would go to the world. What was the blessing? Well... This relationship that 
that, that Abram had with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was not supposed to be just for him alone. Watch. The Lord says to Abram in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. He says in verse 2 to Abram, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. He says in verse 3, God does to Abram, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. Because, he says, at the end of verse 3, in you, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That message did not flow out from Abram and the Jewish people. It became inclusive instead of... That's not right, is it? Inclusive. It became real... Oh, I left my notes. They're way over there. It became... (laughs) It became so personal to them that they didn't want to be a blessing to the world. And see, the lesson that we learned from that is in you and me, all the world ought to be blessed. We are the ones that are to give forth the blessings of God to the world in which we live. I have a real privilege because of my what I do for a living. A, a, kind of a double-edged blessing. If, yesterday I met a guy. Oh my gosh, I, I met a guy... I cannot wait to see him again. I made an appointment to, to meet with him again. He just came to do some stuff at our house. You know, I, I'm, I'm not very handy. <laughs> I am not very handy. And he came, and he comes up, and, and he's, uh, he looks like a guy about my age a little bit. About, I couldn't, you know, about my age. And, uh, and, and on top of his truck, I, I went to see him. He has these two outriggers, two big outriggers. So he comes up and he says, you know, I just got back from Hawaii. I said, really? I've never been before. What do you do? He says, I, I, no, no, no. I asked, what are those on your, your, your truck? He said, oh, they're my, they're my canoes, outrigger canoes. He says, I race. So just come back from Hawaii. He said, I won a race over there. I said, man, that's great. A good friend of mine uh, does that too. He says, oh, what's his name? I told him his name. He says, yeah, he says, I think I know him. He says, you know, I'm 75 years old. I says, what? I says, and I'm 90. <laughs> you know, because I, I, was so, I was so embarrassed. This guy looked like he could lift me and start doing like this with me, you know. I'm 75. And I says, I want to start rowing. And now I want to look, look like you someday. And, and, and this guy was so alive. He was so alive for, for his age. I mean, he's about my age. I'm, he's a little older than me. And so I, 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 I'm not talking to him long. He says, I know who you are. And I says, when have we met? He says, no, he says, I just know of you. He says, he says, a long time ago, he says, I graduated from USC. He says, I played baseball there. He says, you went to SC, didn't you? I said, yes, I did. And he says, you went and played with the Dodgers, didn't you? He says, yes, I did. 
So that was our introduction to one another. So we talked a little bit about school. He played for the same baseball coach I did at SC. That's neither irrelevant. But where's the point? The point is, I start in my mind thinking, how can I share Christ with this man? How can I find out what he believes? So I'm in my office, and I'm doing kind of work on the message a little bit. He says, what are you doing? And I said, I pastor a church. Ah, that's it, see? I got an insight you don't have, maybe. I pastor a church, and I'm doing my message. Oh, he said, that's really interesting. I said, where do you church? Eh, kind of row a lot. You know, I'm out there working out. No wonder he looks so good. I'm preaching, and he's rowing. <laughs> I said, you know, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love for you to come to our church someday. I said, can we talk about it? He says, yeah. So I make an appointment. I don't need something else fixed, but I, I'm saying, okay, we need something else fixed, don't we? And I want him back. I want him back. I want him at the house. I want to talk to this guy. And so I made another appointment to meet with him. And, and that's, that's what you and I should be all about. That should be paramount in our lives. Not that I need something fixed at the house. I do. But it isn't, I don't need something really fixed. I mean, until it... I don't need it fixed. But I need to talk to this guy. Because I do not believe, even remotely believe, that he came here, I mean, came to me by accident. I believe God somehow brought him into my life. He says, you know, he says, I, I've done uh, work at a lot of celebrities' homes. And I said, well, I'm not a celebrity. He says, yeah, he says, John Wayne. And he started going off all these celebrities. And he, this guy, is, he's really something, really something. And I don't believe, I don't know, but I don't believe that God just brought him into my life just to fix something. I believe that God brought him into my life so that maybe I can be a blessing to him. I'm the blessed this guy. Now, not that I'm special. Don't get me wrong. The message I have is very special. It can be a blessing in his life. You see, the mission of every single one of us, once we catch it, from Abraham forward, was that we as believers in God were to be blessings to this earth in which we live. In other words, we're to reach the world for Jesus Christ in you, God said to Abram, and everyone that followed after him. In other words, in all of you who follow and trust in me, all the families of the earth are to be blessed. That's our, that's our opportunity. That's, that's our privilege. did a funeral, Bill, the other week for, for Debbie uh, Camerata. I don't know if Peter's here or not. And I shared the very essence of the gospel. That's, that's kind of my job when I go to a, a funeral. At least that's what I ask to do. If the family allows me, I want to share the gospel. And last week when Peter was here in church, just Christmas Eve day, he said, I got good news for you. And I said, what, Peter? He said, my cousin, who was always skeptical of my faith and Debbie's faith, he came up to me and he said, that guy was passionate. He says, which guy? He says, the old guy that spoke last. 
I got to start rolling. <laughs> he said, the old guy that spoke last, he said he was really passionate about what he believed. And Peter said to me, the good news is, John, and I led him to Christ. You touched his heart. And that means, that's, that's what we're to be. That's, that's our mission in life. That's the, the greatest privilege that we could ever have. And so, the Lord says, in us, in you and me, we're to be a blessing upon this earth. Now, this is what Peter is doing by going to Cornelius. A group of people that he would have never, never, never talked with before. Now he's giving a blessing to them. He is doing what he should, what, what all the Jews should have been doing from time, from when God said to Abram, all the families on the earth shall be blessed through you. We can't keep our faith to ourselves. Sometimes we've got to step outside of ourselves and, and bless people. See, God originally commanded that the faith that you and I have was available to everyone. That promise Peter now makes to Cornelius is a, is a promise that is available to every person on the face of this earth. Look, again at verse 35. The per, back in, um, gosh, I shouldn't have asked you to left Genesis because we want to go back to Genesis chapter 4 in a moment. But look at verse 35 of Acts chapter 10. Peter says, the person who fears God, the person who does what is right, that person is welcome to God. Now, key, key to what, what Peter says to Cornelius is that person has to do what is right. You see, Cornelius could have been, very likely could have been a person who was fairly self-righteous because we've already learned he was a very devout man. He prayed continually. He was really quite a nice guy. And he might have gotten caught up in his niceness. So what Peter says to him is the person who fears the Lord and does what is right is welcome. Does what is right is, is so important. Because what Peter is saying is God did not intend you, Cornelius, and you, your household, to believe just as you wish. There's a plan. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 4 and look at this plan. In Genesis chapter 4, the start of everything, Adam and Eve um, sinned. They were then cast out of the garden. Then they were told they were to care for the garden. And, and then the Lord said to them, one day you will bring forth a child that will, well, they were looking forward to the Messiah even at that time. I'll show you why I say that. Look at chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 1. The man, that means Adam, had relations with his wife, that's Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to a Cain. And she says, I have gotten the man-child with the help of the Lord. In other words, this is the one who is going to be the one who will set us free from the sin that we did in the garden. That was a promise. Now, 
What they didn't know is that's going to happen about 2,000 years later. But she anticipated that Cain was that man-child, was given to them from the Lord. It wasn't Cain, of course. So it says, again, verse 2, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Abel, now we learn, was a keeper of the flocks, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. They both had a job. You need to study this, but let me tell you what it's saying. They both had a job to do. Both Cain did and Abel did. Abel's job was to take care of the flock. Cain's job was to take care of the ground, the the fruit. Cain supplied the family with this nourishment, took care of their, their ability to eat. Abel took care of their spiritual needs. Look at, hold your place here in Genesis 4. Look real quickly at Leviticus chapter 17. Genesis, Exodus, then Leviticus. It's only a couple books to the right. Look at Leviticus chapter 17. Just for a second. Just one verse. Because it is this verse that tells us why Abel was a keeper of the flock. Why there had to be animals that were raised that they kept. The animals were there for a sacrifice so that they would be a payment for when they sinned. Watch. In verse 11 of of Leviticus chapter 17, the life of the flesh is in the blood. God says, I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Atonement means a payment. Atonement is a payment for what you have done, what we have done wrong. So when we read back in Acts chapter 4 that Abel took care of the animals, it meant that he was the one that would bring the animal before God at a certain time. The animal would be uh, sacrificed, they would slit its throat, and the blood would pour out, and the blood was the payment for their sin. Now, why God did it that way, only God knows. I don't. But now, here, look at Acts, I mean, excuse me, Genesis chapter 4. Now look at verse 3. Verse 3 is so, so, so important because it says it came about in the course of time. In the course of time, in the Hebrew means a specific time, a specific place, a specific thing that they were supposed to do. In other words, it's just not some words. It means they were ordered to do something at this particular place, time, and event. Now they come to this place, and it says, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstling of his flock and of their fat portions. And it says, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But, in verse 5, for Cain and for his offering, God had no regard. Here's the deal. God had told them what to do for the payment to their sin. Cain is starting the first off-branch of another religion. Cain is basically doing this. Look what I've grown. Look. Isn't it beautiful? Is prettier than that sheep. Look, let's give this to the Lord. It's, it's, the, it's the best I have. It's better than any animal that, that Abel's raised. Look, smell it, Mom. 
Smell it, Dad. Look, it's beautiful. Let's give this to the Lord. So Cain brings this to the Lord at the altar and puts it there. And God says, I don't have any regard for that. Uh, That's not what I've asked you to bring me. I, I don't want that. I need blood. Blood must be shed for the forgiveness of your sin. This, the sacrifice. This, this doesn't do you any good. This isn't what I asked for. So it says, Cain, look at the, the rest of verse 5. It says, Cain became angry, very angry. His countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well. In other words, remember, remember when, hold your place here, but remember when Peter said to, when Peter said to Cornelius, if you do what is right, if you do what is right, God will forgive you. And so he says to Cain here, if you do well, in other words, if you do what you're supposed to do, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you don't do well, sin is crouching at your door. It's desirous for you. Cain, you've got to master it. You can't just come to me any way you want. And you know what Cain did later on in the same scenario? He did what to his brother? He killed his brother. Why? Just because he was jealous? That's sin, folks. Now, basically, I give you that is to say that there are so many people out there. Peter cut through it. He didn't let Cornelius and his household believe that there was any other way to God. The only way was through Jesus. Watch. Turn with me now, way back to Hebrews chapter um, 9. Hebrews chapter 9, please. It's, um, you know, if you get to the very end of your Bible, of the, of the New Testament, <clears throat> you'll, you'll find the book of Revelation. And then you'll come to Jude and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd Peter. And then I believe the book of James and then Hebrews. And Hebrews chapter 9 says it all. Says it all. Look at verse um, 11 and 12. It says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11, When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And, verse 12, not through the blood of goats and calves. In other words, goats and calves no longer cut it. The blood of goats and calves no longer does it. Look, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained, you might want to underline this, eternal Redemption. Your redemption, folks, is paid for in full eternally. Eternal redemption. Look at down at verse 22 of the same chapter of Hebrews 9. It says at the end of verse 22, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You see, folks, the, the blood that Jesus Christ shed upon the cross for you and for me is for our eternal Redemption. It is for our eternal forgiveness, our eternal deliverance, whatever you want to call it. His blood that He shed was for the forgiveness of our sin. And it's given 
Peter, back please to Acts chapter 10. Peter is saying to Cornelius and to the family that is there, the people that are there, this gift of God is given to everybody. Everyone who believes. Belief in Christ is essential because what it gives us is what only Christ can give you and me. That's the blessings that God spoke of to Abram. And that is you and I now have peace with God. Remember we said last week, Christmas cards come, many people send them, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And they think that's quoted out of Scripture. Scripture is saying the peace on earth that comes is an individual, one-on-one peace that you and I can now have with God. Not, not no more wars, because the Bible speaks that there will always be wars. In fact, there's going to be an escalation of wars near the end times. I think we're seeing that. That that is not going to happen. When people want to have this prayer vigil for peace on earth, I say to myself, why waste our breath? Let's, let's pray for peace between one person and God, each person and God. That's the peace that God is speaking of. And so look what, Peter, look what Peter says to Cornelius and his household. He says in verse 36, This one, Jesus Christ, came and he preached peace through Jesus Christ because, he says, this Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You see, only the Lord could bring peace to mankind with God. Look what, look what Romans chapter 5 tells us. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm making you look at a lot of verses. Romans is just to the left of the book of, uh, of Acts. Excuse me, I mean to the right. Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 10. And then I'm going to have you turn to one more verse and we'll close it. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul writes... For if, the word if there in in verse 10 of Romans chapter 5 really is better translated since. It's not a if it is and if it is not. It is since it is so. If we are enemies, we are reconciled to, to God through the death of His sons. Much more, having been reconciled, we'll be saved, we'll be saved by His life. Jesus' Christ, Jesus' death ended the hostility and brought peace between all people and God by paying the price for our sin. And He can only do this because He is, and He alone is, Lord of all, as Peter told uh, Cornelius and his group. Let's close with Colossians. Turn to the book of Colossians. You'll pass Romans You'll go past 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and you'll go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to tell you, this is perhaps some of the greatest verses that you and I can ever, ever read. I told you we'll close with this, but I hope you didn't leave Acts 10, because I want to just remind you of a couple of things. But watch, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 18. It says, talking about Jesus Christ. He is also head of the body, the church. And He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself might come to have first place in everything. Whoa, time out. You want to know why here at this church Jesus Christ is everything to us? 
verse 18. There's, there is no agenda that we have apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is everything. We have no programs. Well, we do things, but, but basically at our church, the Word of God and Jesus Christ is everything to us because He is head over all, over the church. Now, look at verse 19. It is the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Christ. And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, note, having made peace through the blood of His cross, through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, although you were formerly alienated. In other words, an enemy. You were formerly hostile in your mind. You were formerly engaged in evil deeds. Yet, He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him, before God, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Folks, that is the good news of the Gospel. You and I, Apart from Christ, Peter is saying, I've come to preach to you, Cornelius, peace. Peace through Jesus Christ because He is Lord of all. He is saying, Cornelius, you're an enemy of God. You need to be at peace with God. And you receive that through the blood of Jesus Christ. I know that's kind of not all written in there, but that is exactly what Peter is saying to Cornelius. Peter then, and as we're going to, we'll close. I got really two minutes, I'm fine. But I, I, that I said to myself, that should have not gone out loud. That, that. Peter reminded Cornelius and his household, he said in verses 37 and 38, you know of what took place. Jesus Christ didn't do any of this in a vacuum. Everybody heard of what he did. He did that so that you might believe in Him. And He says in verses 39 and through 41, and we witnessed it. We saw Him do what He did. We, we not only witnessed this, we were a select few that were chosen to eat with Him, to be with Him after He rose from the dead. And then He says in verse 42 and three, 43, We've been ordered. We've, these are our orders, folks. You, you and I have the same orders. We've been ordered to preach to the people. You see, verses... This place in Scripture could be... It's not, but it could be called the day of Pentecost for the Gentiles. Just like Peter preached the day of Pentecost to the Jews. And they received, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit just as the Jews did. In other words... They were amazed, it says in verse 45, because they saw the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, how? The same way they did, by speaking in tongues. In other words, by speaking in a language that all of a sudden, here are these Jewish people with these Gentiles, and they're hearing them speak in Yiddish, or, or in the Hebrew language, and they're hearing them in their own dialect, praising and exalting God. They're saying to themselves, they got it too, just like we did. They too have the Holy Spirit. And so then Peter says, let's baptize them. Let's baptize them. They baptized the Jews. They baptized the Samaritans. They baptized the Ethiopian. Let's baptize the Gentiles. And they did. Baptism is pure and simple, folks. It is an outward expression of what has taken place in your heart. It doesn't bring you salvation. It just is 
an expression. It's more for those that, that you know and love that witness that you've been baptized. It's an, an expression of what has taken place in your heart. I sure love you. This was an important place in Scripture. And I guess you can see, hopefully now, why I went back over it, even after we talked about the name last week. Because it's much more. Don't you see how Scripture kind of just, kind of all of us, it's so deep. It, it's, we could go over this again next week. We won't. Uh, we'll, we'll move on. But there's so much under there. There's so much. It's so fun to study the Bible. I love you. I love you so much. I love you for the, for the privilege of doing what we do here in this church. I thank you for, for being a part. I pray that this year, the year 2007, can you believe, can you, wasn't it last week that they said that everything's going to explode because of the year 2000, all the computers were going to go kaput? Well, didn't they say that? Wasn't that last week? The year 2000? We're seven years old now. And from that, from that, time flies. Time really flies. Let's make good use of the time that the Lord's given us. Let's be a blessing as he's commanded us to be. Father, thank you for everybody here. I love them so much. I pray you will truly bless us, Father. More important, I, I pray that, that we would be a blessing to you. That somehow, some way, Father, this year, in the year 2007, we would see the, the privilege of leading someone, if not many, to Jesus Christ that we would be a blessing, that we would bring peace to each person's soul who were, apart from Christ, enemies of yours. And so, Father, we, we, um, we want to praise you, and we, we realize that we will do that by exalting your Son. You've chosen for us to do that. So we exalt the holy and righteous name of your Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. It's his, in His name, Father, that we open our doors. It's in His name that we gather together. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask You that we might bless You, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. I love you all so much. Happy New Year and have a great, great day. Be careful tonight. <laughs>